Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Birds of Prey in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. It's been about two weeks uh, since I did my Pearl Harbor statistics episode, uh, since I've I've done like a solo movie episode on the show. You know, we've had MCU episodes, the Oscars, uh, predicting the Oscars, the Circle of Film Awards, Oscar reactions, uh, top 10 actor lists. It's been a lot. And, um, you know, all these like hour, two hour, three hour, four hour long episodes. And uh, it finally, finally feels nice to really take a step back and sort of relax a little bit with some Birds of Prey. 2019 has ended. It is over. The Oscars have come and gone. Parasite is best picture. I'm I'm very excited about that. But now we can, for me at least, uh, I can finally turn my attention to 2020. Uh, I've only seen, uh, you know, like, 11 films from this year so far, or 14, sorry, 14 films from 2020, so it's a slow process, Uh, you know, half of the films that have come out in theaters already this year are actually 2019 films, and that that brings its own issues along with it, but Birds of Prey, um, with the exception of Bad Boys for Life, is is now the second, you know, quote-unquote big movie to come out in 2020. I didn't like Bad Boys for Life. I don't really like the Bad Boys movies. They kind of uh, represent the worst of Michael Bay in a lot of ways. Not not quite as bad as Transformers, of course, but um, it's not it's not for me. And I also think it's pretty pretty poor execution of that genre that uh, within itself. But Birds of Prey is a different different beast entirely. You know, it is a comic book movie. It is based on comic book characters from the DC uh, world. It is, to the best of my knowledge, you know, fits in with the chronology of the DC EU. Uh, for as for whatever that's worth nowadays, you know, Shazam didn't really tie into the DC EU in any meaningful way. This really doesn't want anything to do with the DC EU, so. It's interesting to see, you know, when when Wonder Woman comes out, if that ties into any of the other DCEU movies in any way, shape, or form, which I don't expect it to because it takes place in the 80s. So, I don't know. There's a lot of question marks about what the DCU really is and where it's going and what its plans are, but you can kind of just set that all aside with Birds of Prey. It is able to do its own thing, and... Uh, with the exception of taking Harley Quinn out of Suicide Squad and putting her in this movie, there's not much to really even, you know, compare with the other films that have been released in in this, you know, extended universe. So I was really excited for Birds of Prey. I, you know, Margot Robbie was great as Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad, one of the best parts of that movie. Uh, I love the cast of Birds of Prey, you know, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Ewan McGregor, uh, uh, Chris Messina, Ali Wong, 
Rosie Perez, Journey Smollett Ball, Bell, Smollett Bell, among others. It has that, I don't know, it just has that Deadpool vibe going, uh, which, you know, the movie has been compared to a lot. And it just looked like a lot of fun. It, it seemed like it was going to be a very fun movie with a lot of badass women uh, kicking a lot of ass. And in general, that's basically what the movie is. You know, it it does have a couple of other aspects to it. And, you know, there's there's a little more beneath the surface if you scratch at it a bit. But predominantly, it is a, a team of women uh, who aren't always a team within the film. Uh, they... It... It... it, it kind of ends up being a cross between Deadpool and Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Guardians spends, I don't know, you know, even up until the point where they're all in prison, they're not really a team yet. And the, you know, second, entire second act of Guardians of the Galaxy is about how these individuals are not a team. And and trying, and and it's by sheer force of will that they're able to stick together to uh, accomplish anything at all. And Birds of Prey approaches the sort of team-up vibe a little differently. It doesn't bring all the characters together from the jump, uh, but rather gives you, a, gives you a little bit of a background on each of them um, throughout with flashback narration from Margot Robbie, which, on the one hand, you know, it's very Deadpool-esque in that way, and... If you're getting really invested in the current events of the film, jumping backward in time, always, you can't avoid the fact that it siphons a little bit of the uh, um, momentum out of the film. I, I think that it's always a tough trick to pull off. But I think the Robbie is so likable, Winstead is so likable, Smollett Bell is so likable, um, Perez is for me the weakest link of the five uh, when you include, uh, I guess, Ella J. Basco as Cassandra Kane. I think, I don't mind Perez being there. I just think she kind of sticks out amidst the rest of the group. You know, Perez is 55 and, uh, you know, more power to her. Like, she looks a lot better than some of the other choices that could have been made for her role but it does it's pretty apparent in some of the bigger fight sequences towards the end of the film that she's not physically on the level of a Margot Robbie of a Mary Elizabeth Winstead of a Journey Smollett Bell and it you know it takes a little bit away from from that moment uh on the other hand you know, Ewan McGregor and Chris Messina are on the other side of things, the the main men in this film, and they are just chewing scenery from start to finish. They have this, you know, faux homoerotic relationship where you know, Ewan McGregor owns a club and he's this, you know, big name gangster type of character. Uh, the the black mask who I'm not familiar with uh, from from any of the comics or, or previous iterations of Batman and, and other DC uh, f- uh, media so I'm not sure you know if this is a real character how much uh, they they 
deviate from from previous versions of him. Uh, Chris Messina plays Victor Zaz, who is a character I did know uh, from playing some of the Batman Arkham games. Primarily, I, I don't think I've ever seen him. I kind of wonder if there's a Zaz in one of the previous Batman movies from decades ago. Uh, part of me feels like there was, but I cannot be completely certain. And not at all how I how I pictured him in this movie. I think Chris Messina is a strange casting choice, but for me it kind of worked. He's not my favorite part of the movie. I didn't need more of him necessarily, but uh, I did think he does a good job of playing very, very against his type. You know, Chris Messina is not a bloodthirsty, you know, sadistic, chaotic character ever, as far as I'm aware. And uh, he jumps headfirst into Victor's Zaz, and I thought he came out the other side uh, looking fairly legitimate as that character. Mary Elizabeth Winstead as the Huntress is amazing. I loved her in this. She is probably my second favorite behind uh, Robbie as Quinn. She's, you know, when we get these like little snippets of backstory for each of the main characters, you know, you get to see all the sort of training that Winstead went through. And, I, you know, we've seen this type of character many, many times in cinema. You know, the sort of silent badass who you know, trained their entire life just to be able to get revenge and or, you know, to become the, you know, best assassin, etc., etc. You know, as people like Batman went through a similar thing in Batman Begins uh, and so on and so forth. And despite all of this, obviously Batman himself is not, you know, the does not have the best social etiquette that you've seen that we've seen in in the world but he has some social etiquette he can be out at dinner and engaging in a conversation he knows how words work and it's interesting because for all the times i've seen a character like that i've never seen them portrayed this way the way winstead and, and kathy Allen, the director um put her on the screen as kind of a socially inept person, which makes sense. She hasn't had any experiences with other people. She doesn't know how to talk to people. There's like a really funny moment where she's standing in front of the mirror trying to practicing how she's going to introduce herself to other people. And she's really bad at it. And it's Winstead is so perfect at being so poorly, so bad socially. And it just, all of every time they cut to to Winstead in any way, shape, or form is is just wonderful for me. Uh, Journey Smollett Bell plays Black Canary. I'm familiar with Black Canary from you know the Arrowverse shows, and I think I've seen her in a couple of uh, DC animated films as well. So I, I kind of knew what we were what we what I was getting into with her. Smur- Smollett Bell is a very different Black Canary. Um, in fact, at the start of the film, she works right beneath um, Ewan McGregor's black mask, and it's she, you know, you know her and and Rosie Perez. Perez plays uh, Renee Montoya. They have the most complex journeys to get to the team element of the movie. 
you know, uh, Montoya starts out as a cop. Uh, Smollett Bell starts, uh, or, or rather Black Canary starts out as working for the quote-unquote antagonist of the movie. It's t- tough to say bad guy when they're, every single person in this movie is effectively a villain. But, you know, having to shirk the responsibilities of being a police detective, having to shirk uh, and, and turn against your boss are, you know, conflicts that have, have are complicated enough to be your know, protagonist, the, the leading protagonist in other films. And so because of that, we end up with a, a kind of an abbreviated journey for most of these characters. Uh, I thought Huntress's got enough time, for, from a journey standpoint, got enough um, screen time as, that it needed. But, you know, Perez and Smollett Bell and, and even Basco, for, to a degree, all f- come up a little bit short in, in fleshing out who they are and, and what brought them to where they ended up uh, by the end of the film. But that said, like, I love Smollett Bell as Black Canary. I thought she does a great job. I love the portrayal of the character. All of the characters in this are written differently from how you probably would have seen them in other versions of DC media, comics or shows or movies. And it never felt as though these characters weren't, you know, accurate at the same time. You know, it, it never felt as though I was like, oh my goodness, like that, you know, so-and-so would never do that. So-and-so would never do that. And part of that comes from the fact that these aren't these aren't Spider-Man, Superman, Batman level characters. You know, outside of Harley Quinn, who is probably the closest to what you've known her from in the, in the comics or shows. Or even, you know, Suicide Squad, which there's a little bit of an adjustment between there and here, but... It's, it's fairly negligible. Um, you know, it, it just... There's, they're not on the same tier as these bigger names where you're gonna care if, if they're portrayed correctly or not. And I didn't. And it never affected me at all. I thought it worked, worked really well. Uh, the banter between the characters um, was really fun. The, the dialogue works well for all of them. Uh, you know, Ewan McGregor is just... I don't. I can't remember the last time I, I saw him in so excited to be in a movie. Um, the fight choreography is pretty fantastic. You know, DC movies uh, recently haven't had the best fight choreography, but there's some really good stuff in this. Uh, a lot of improvised weapons for Harley specifically. Robbie gets the bulk of the work from from a f- um, fight scene standpoint. Uh, Smollett Bell and Winstead, I think, hold their own in some of the fight scenes towards the middle and end of the film. And as I mentioned, uh, Rosie Rosie Perez is, you know, she's there. And uh, she, I wanted her character to be more in touch with like a gun or something like that. Something that wasn't physically exerting, didn't require physical exertion because... Again, she doesn't really have that skill set at this point in her career. I'm I'm not a big, you know, I don't haven't followed her career forever, so I don't know if she ever had that skill set, but does not seem to be with her now. And but yeah, like it it looks great. Uh the the visuals, the colors, the, you know, the excitement, the insanity 
really. You know, Harley is chaotic and unpredictable. You know, she is connected to the Joker in that way. And a lot of this movie is about her detaching from Joker. You know, she goes through this as an animated flat uh you know intro to the film where she explains you know how they broke up and now she's striking out on her own which i like i liked that a lot and i think by the end of this film there's always the sense there's always a you know a chaotic element to harley in this movie but it doesn't ever you know be i think because she doesn't have the sort of legacy that Joker has because she's not as completely ingrained in what his mental state is because she was a therapist because she you know is able to kind of read people much better than he can uh there's always a there's an underlying sense of like practicality to her she makes a couple of decisions in this movie that are you know very self you know very in in her own self-interest that are very pragmatic and yeah from a from an emotional standpoint and character standpoint it's like oh that sucks that she did that but you know there's a reason for it and there aren't always reasons when the joker does a thing but every you know but some of the time there is a reason for harley to do a thing and and that's kind of as as insane as she can be I think there's a def a degree of of sanity to her that this movie got right for me. I I don't need her to do everything, just to do whatever the hell she wants for no reason at all. You know, there's a huge, you know, that one point early in this film, she steals a vehicle and crashes it into uh, something, and kind of you know there's a way you make this movie where that happens and it just seems you know completely no reason but the whole time it's happening we're getting this over um uh we're getting voice narration from 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 harley over top of what's really taking place and explaining you know why she's doing what she's doing and you know she's like i have all my best ideas when i'm drunk and you know there's that silly side to it of you know like well she's crazy like who would do something like that but at the same time when she's explaining it it does make sense there there's a reason and a a process behind her actions um which always i I, you know i like the character the joker i like you know what he is and what he stands for uh but I think there's more to explore in a character like Harley because she has shades of gray in her, you know, insanity, unlike Joker really does. Um, So, you know, absolutely, I want there to be another one of these Birds of Prey movies, even if it's just Harley, you know, we'll see. Um, That's the thing, like, the movie opened, it is rated R uh, for a good reason. There's a lot of violence, a lot of blood, a lot of language. I wouldn't take any of it out. I thought it was a lot of fun. And it's not doing the best at the box office. Uh, Certainly lacking um, from a financial perspective. 
But it didn't cost it, you know, two hundred million dollars to make. The production value and, and budget was a little was more reasonable than that. But it's still going to struggle, I think, to to kind of break even and, and be profitable. And it's a shame, you know. I people have credited that to its marketing campaign. I, I watched some of the trailers after seeing the film, and I'll admit they're not great. Uh, they don't really. I mean, so many of the scenes in the trailers, in my, you know, are, are very spoilery and take place towards the end of the film. I think the trailers are so focused on the team up of the Birds of Prey and the title Birds of Prey kind of leads you to that. And the movie is not that in the same sense, uh, not least as the way as how the trailers lead you to believe. I think this movie is first and foremost about Harley. It's absolutely primarily about her trying to survive on her own now that she doesn't have Joker next to her. And that comes with a lot of baggage. You know, what is it for her initially just being on her own, but also all the other people that have now Im- impacted by the fact that she's no longer with Joker. She used to be untouchable. Now she is a target. Now people can go after her. And that you know, has a, you know, has a little bit John Wick, uh, part three element to it, which, uh, again, uh, like the, uh, you know, she, she, there's a great, you know, kind of sequence of people trying to attack her and kill her that we got from John Wick and, and both films ended up eventually veering away from that because, I don't know, I, I guess like it just a little, little over the top, a little much to have to worry about somebody killing you every five seconds and difficult to portray on in a movie where you're also trying to tell other stories about different characters um i thought <clears throat> i liked kathy Ann's direction uh don't know if i'm pronouncing her name right kathy Ann. uh it's the only film of hers i've seen i wanted to look into some of the other movies uh, of hers before seeing this but i did not get around to them definitely i'm, I'm you know making that a priority as well um what else what else what else what else i thought the writing was solid it's not um you know it's you know the upper tier for me of comic book movies which isn't saying a ton but you know as far as you know an aquaman or a shazam i think it handles a lot of things better than that uh it it you know, it just kind of—it's easy to say at this at this point in the year, but like it really exceeded my expectations and sets the bar for the rest of the year. Uh, you know, from from everything else coming out, which you know maybe for other people that movie is Bad Boys for Life, or maybe it's something that hasn't yet come out. And uh, but for me, it's going to be—you know—Birds of Prey is going to be the capstone of of what I'm I'm comparing you know at least everything in the first half of the year against you know it is my favorite film of the dceu it barely sneaks ahead of wonder woman uh i think this has much just uh, has a much better third act than wonder woman had and uh you know just by the fact that it you know came out a couple of years later some of the tech elements are a little stronger but yeah, I, I really enjoyed Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, which apparently they're changing the name to 
Harley Quinn, colon, Birds of Prey, which I'm not a fan of. I don't like that title at all. I can understand that this current title can uh, turn people off. Makes sense. Uh, but I don't think that they're going to you know, magically recoup tens of millions of dollars by changing the title. And, you know, box office doesn't work that like that. So it is what it is. Um, yeah, like thumbs up for me, Birds of Prey. I think it, you know, just deserves to be seen uh, personally. And, um, you know, uh, every... every I heard a lot of really encouraging, you know, feminist aspects of the about the film before seeing it. Uh, you know, not to me- not to mention, like the cast is primarily female, the writer is female, the director is female. A lot of the people working behind the scenes are also female. Uh, but just a lot, of, you know, it's it's a very feminist film in that way. It is a very, uh, you know, kind of trying to push back against the, you know, the chauvinist, misogynist, sexist agenda that, you know, for better or worse, or rather, not for better or worse, um, I'm looking for a different colloquialism, uh, intentional or not, um, it exists very prominently. And this movie does a great job of just swinging a giant mallet and cracking that idea right in the face and I loved it for that absolutely adored uh, it for that that said like I'm not expecting this to be on my top 10 at the end of the year Um, maybe top 10 like enjoyable films possibly but top 10 films overall very you know almost impossible for that to happen Uh, so yeah, that's all, I guess. Uh, that's kind of it, though. Like, if if you have even the passing interest in this film, please go see it. If you loved it, um, and it's not, you know, too forward of me to ask, go see it again. Uh, if, you, if you didn't stay to the ends of the credits uh, the first time, check it out again. There's something at the very end of the tail end of the credits, if you were patient enough to wait around. Because uh, this movie, man... Um, it needs some support to, I don't know, it deserves the support, in my opinion, uh, at this point in the year, at least. So, yeah, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Thumbs up. I liked it a lot. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Thank you for listening to today's episode. It does mean a lot. Uh, if you'd like to find more episodes of the show, iTunes, Stitcher, places where podcasts can be found all over there. You can also head over to the website, circleoffilm.com, uh, for all the old episodes and much more. You can find me on Twitter at Circle of Film, on, I, uh, on Letterboxd at Circle of Film, or you can email circleoffilm at gmail.com about anything and everything. If you'd like to support the show, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, tell somebody about it, uh, listen. Be, listen, you know, that's the best thing you can do. If you are so inclined, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash circle of film, where for as little as eight cents an episode, you can have early access to all the episodes that are released early. 
And of course, I have to thank Brian for being just the most, the, mo- the, mo- the nicest patron that I possibly could have at this present time. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Brian. And uh, I guess uh, that's it. So have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same adieu. Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.